This is Rainbow Six Radio, bringing you... The Next Generation Podcast for talk, news, and information for all things Rainbow Six. Hello and welcome to another weekly episode of the Rainbow Six Radio Podcast. I am joined here once again, as always, by my faithful co-host, Captain, and we are going to be talking about all kinds of things that are going on this week. Um, We're going to start with some possible leaks that are coming out for year two, or I'm sorry, for season two for the operator balancing. Uh, We are going to also be talking about shield operator balancing for Monty and Blitz, as well as a discussion on Jackal and all things Jackal related. After that, we're going to get into a little bit of some Pro League discussion coming from Intero, our favorite Pro League caster. And we will also be going over some more information related to uh, additional info for the Stolen Goods gameplay event that is coming up, as well as our weekly Pro Tip and Q&A segments. So with that, let's start with our beginning uh, leaks that are coming. Um, So these are a little interesting. Usually when I cover leaks that might be coming out, there's something I like to make sure is pretty credible. And um, maybe this one is not as credible as some of the previous ones before. So I'm going to put this one out there with a big question mark behind it. I think that's fair, right? I think that's totally fair. Um, I think at least, uh, if anything, it gives a good discussion um about certain things but yeah for sure the the what ifs right and it's it's interesting because when we first started the podcast we one of the things we discussed was like not every week is going to necessarily be breaking news and information uh you know that's not something that's going to happen like every single week uh and we've had a lot of that you know i think that we've had a, a good flow of steady updates and things to discuss but uh, not not every week will. So this week so we're, we're kind of in a lull right now. Yeah, a little like bit. Week two of being a lull. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, last week we did have the Goyo nerf to talk about, which That's was true. actually a piece of, of actual news here. But this yeah. one is, like I said, there's a question mark with this one because um, it's not like it's coming from that one credible leaker. Uh, he goes by Kimura, and he clearly has some connections to somebody on the inside of the team because season after season after season after season, what he leaks is it's actually dead it's dead on. Yeah. So that that's somebody that's a very credible leaker. And then the other, you know, um, news coverage places is uh, like, you know, the places like um, PC games and, you know, those kinds of areas will pick the story up and they will they will cover that. Um, so this is a little different. This comes from apparently somebody over in China and uh, not originally posted by, but in our Rainbow Six subreddit, uh, Amazing I Am posted this in there. And then mm-hmm. uh, it, this is also over on the actual Ubisoft Rainbow Six subreddit and it's several other places too. But apparently over in China, there has been a copy of the patch notes that were written in Chinese. They do give a screenshot of those Chinese patch notes and then there is a translation that goes with them. Again, I put this all under the... Mm, maybe it's real, maybe it's not category, but let's just talk. Yeah, I mean, but let's just talk about what's here. And, um, you know, again, maybe it isn't real, but uh, at least it's it's interesting to think about whether it is or isn't. Absolutely. So these are the year five season two balance changes, apparently. Here's what what they say. So I'll just kind of go over all of them and then we can break them down. So Doc is now going to be a two-armor, two-speed operator, kind of like how we've seen the change for Jaeger being dropped from a three-speed to a two-speed. In this one, it's uh, Doc is going from a one-speed to a two-speed. 
and the ACOG is being taken off of his MP5 and P90 so that the uh, spawn peak, uh, I guess, is maybe what that's trying to address. Right. Then for Blitz, his ADS time is being changed to 0.5 seconds, and the P12, that's his uh, pistol, will now have a red dot scope. Next up is uh, Amaru. She will get a decrease in the time between landing and pulling up her gun, so she'll be able to uh, land and respond faster. The Gara Hook can now fly indoors. Not exactly sure what that means. Um, I mean, there's parts... Just in doorways? Well, no, I think it just means from the interior of the map, but there's already parts uh, where you can kind of... Do that. Do that. I'm thinking of like the atrium and coastline or places right. like that, but uh, maybe it's just giving it a little bit more places where it can be used possibly. I don't know. Then we move over to Nuck, who gets, I guess, the FMG-9 will now have an ACOG. Now, I assume that that is an operator-specific change, so Smoke's FMG-9 would probably not have that, uh, but since she's an attacker that uses that. Uh, sounds like she would get it. And then Jackal is having the ITA-12S removed. That is the secondary pocket shotgun. Yep. Then under other balance changes, uh, they say that there's a redistribution of secondary gadgets. So Jaeger would be uh, losing barbed wire and getting nitrocell. Uh, Doc would be losing the bulletproof camera but gaining an impact grenade. IQ would be losing a breaching charge but getting smoke grenades. Also, all the attackers will have only two breaching charges down from three. That's for all attacking operators. And then under weapon gadgets, Russian scopes change into regular scopes, which we talked about last week. And yeah. the suppressor will decrease damage by 10%. So there's at least two things on here that jump out as, at me as things I've heard before. And that's yeah. the Russian scopes being changed into regular scopes. And I have also heard before that attackers would wind up getting reduced from three breaching charges to two. I've, I've heard that before. Okay. So I feel like there's at least a little bit here that's definitely been kind of out there already. Yeah. Um, but as for the rest of it, it's sort of a big question mark. So I think the one that stands out to me the most on this list is the dock change. Yeah. Uh, and it's in not one area, but in two. So in the first area, it talks about Doc will now be a two-armor, two-speed operator. The ACOG on the MP5 and P90 will be removed, but then also he will lose the bulletproof camera and get an impact grenade. Right. Right there, that screams to me like they're trying to make Doc a roaming operator. Yep. Uh, and again, <laughs> putting all of this with the big caveat of... Who Maybe. knows if this is really an actual legit leak or not. This is all in the realm of theoretical at this point. But for the sake of argument, just to kind of talk about it, let's proceed as if there's some credibility to this. What do you think about how that sounds for Doc? I mean, there's there are so many things to be said about that. Um, you know, it, it goes into the... A, a lot of people use Doc as a spawn peaking roamer as is. Um, so this is just making, to a certain point, this is making it easier for them to get to those um, locations quicker. But at the same time, they're taking away the ACOGs so that range is gone. Right. So are they trying to are they, are they trying to balance the spawn peak roamer, or is this just like? 
total BS. I don't know. But it definitely seems like if, if you know, obviously hypotheticals, if this was true, if this was an actual thing, I definitely feel... I agree with you that it, it 100% sounds like they're turning him into more of a roamer. Especially with those impact would, grenades. Exactly. But to a certain extent, then I feel like it is sort of going to make him even more... I don't know, because what 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 outweighs what? what when, it, when it comes to speed and it comes to armor, where's the balance? Which outweighs what? Speed you know, always I mean, speed is always king. Right, except for the fact that now he's faster and he can just stim the hell out of himself what, yeah. three times? Yeah. So that just that just makes it him the ultimate OP roamer. Which, I mean, he already was kind of in the class of roamers, you know, the speed he didn't have, but he had such an amount of armor that, like, you know, I felt I felt like that somewhat outweighed itself or well, balanced itself out. Yeah, the weird thing was, like, Doc was never originally a roamer, like, at all. Um, right. In fact, if you were roaming with Doc, you were considered selfish for your team, uh, right. generally. Right, because you needed to give those stims to the rest of your teammates. And then um, there was a point at which Doc was really being underplayed. And it was one of the first major rebalancing changes that Ubisoft did. I, I don't want to say it was the first, but when they first really started like rebalancing operators, not just tweaking uh -huh. gun damage or Certain something things, like that, right. but changing the way that the ability actually worked. Uh, and this is when they were actually doing like the, the mid season reinforcements. And that was a new thing. And uh, right. so this is probably back in like year two, maybe I'm not sure exactly, but it's been a long time. And so they really changed it to where like he could start, um, he could revive himself and he was doing, they, they really wanted to make him more of a, just a, a better all around, uh, more effective healer. And I, I think like they even gave him like a, an extra, like maybe he originally had three stim darts and then they increased it to five or I, I forget exactly, but there were definitely some changes that came to him to make him somebody that would be picked more often, I guess. Right. And for the longest time, he was just kind of considered, I don't know, like the other rook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, I've personally noticed in the last year that 100%. he's really become a much more pronounced roaming operator that he's we see. He's the king of spawn peaking right now, yeah. in my opinion. It's It seems like, the, like you've got two kinds of roamers you've got like the the toxic jaegers or whatever and like i'm just kidding when i say that because you know i mean just because you play jaeger doesn't mean you're toxic but it's like the whole thing of like she, he's or like does it <laughs> it's, it's the whole thing is like he's like the defensive ash or whatever right right yeah but like if you liked being aggressive on roaming you would typically pick jaeger uh yep. if you like being aggressive now i've seen a lot of people in the, like let's say over the course of the last year really gravitating towards docs as aggressive roamers, which is weird because he's tanky. Yeah. But that self-heal is really turned into, like, people have begun embracing the selfishness of using it yep. rather than using it for the rest of the team. Don't know how I feel about that. I don't like it at all. It's almost, it's almost to the point, unless it's certain people in our group that take him, 
if you know if we're in a four stack in the random picks dock it's like okay this guy's not sticking to objective this guy's clearly gonna roam he's gonna spawn peak it's gonna be really annoying right it's it it, it and and i 100 percent agree it was this year that like all of a sudden most of the spawn peaking was dock with jaeger and vigil <laughs> And right. it was just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And, like, at first I was like, maybe he's just there to, like, heal them in case they get down. It was like, no, this guy is, like, trying to take shots at us. Oh, right, he has an ACOG. All right, he's a beast. I don't know. And it's hard because, like, when he had the gadget that could heal the teammates, and then they kind of mm-hmm. gave him, you know, like like, again, I think they went from, like, three to five, and... Uh, I don't remember if he could self-revive right from the launch of the game or not. I, I don't, I don't remember. But the self-revive is really why he's become the roamer's pick lately. Is because mm. people like to be like, okay, I've gone for that spawn peak. You downed me, but surprise, I'm back up again. And he can do that right. a bunch of times. Yep. And then if you combine that with like a rook or something on top of it that gives him a little bit of you know a, a damage buff, you know, it's like, ugh. They're really getting to be the the rook roam, or I'm sorry, the dock roamers are really getting to be kind of like the new meta in some ways. Yep. Uh, in some ways. Yes. And I feel like these changes, if true, would definitely uh, reinforce that, and it it would be almost like Ubisoft would be embracing that, like right. giving it the, their blessing. And I don't think I like that. I mean, I don't either, but I also feel like, unfortunately, that's kind of the way that the game is moving. So maybe they're just trying to get ahead of the curve on that. Okay. Um, let, let me let me put it out there like this. Uh, so I just found out that there's a brand new operator coming to the game. He's an aggressive roamer, uh, not super fast, but they have the ability that no matter how many times you down them, they can pick themselves back up again. Oh, by the way, his name is Doc, and he's been around since the launch of the game. <laughs> but, but, like, his ability is to uh-huh. just, no matter how many times you down him, pick himself back up again. Yeah. Like, that would sound broken on the outset. Oh, 100%. If we weren't talking about Doc, if we were talking about a new operator. A new, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see the error in their ways now. Um, here's here's an interesting hypothetical question um, because I, I feel like every other day I see people posting on different siege uh, reddits and stuff. Um, Docker Rook, who is better, Docker Rook, and you know it's it's it, it, I feel like for depending on who you are, it's like fifty fifty. But now, Docker Rook. You know, if Doc is a two-speed, two-armor operator with impacts without an ACOG, is Rook going to be the new spawn peaker since he is a three-armor, one-speed with an ACOG? No. Because that still doesn't trump the self-revive. Right. The self-revive is why that's the reason. Like, oh, you you shot back at me while I was spawn peaking. Well, surprise, you didn't down me after all. Jack in the box, I'm back up. Uh, right. it's just, it's so hard to beat that. And then this just goes ahead and, and embraces that. Now, I do think it's interesting if they're exploring the, the premise of saying, 
hey, we're going to take the ACOG off of the MP5 and P90 for Doc, but leave the ACOG on the MP5 and the P90 for Rook. That's kind of cool. Like, there's there's a different selection to be made there. But Rook... Kind of change the gameplay up a little bit, too. Yeah, but then they're going in the other direction with the secondary gadgets, right? Because um, right. Rook already has impact grenades. So now That's Doc true. will have them, too. Whereas before, Doc didn't have the impact grenades. So, so you know, it's like they, they kind of take one area where they make variation, which is cool, and then they do replication on the other side. So now Doc and Rook are both going to have impact grenades. And when you have a Rook on the team with the Doc, um, that makes the self-revives better. And it also makes it so that the Doc, if he wanted to revive other players or, or himself, the Rook armor makes the down but not out as opposed to an outright death more likely. So right. the Doc Rook combo is going to be even more reinforced now, especially with them both having impact grenades. They have four impact grenades between the two of them if they work as a team, and it's like, holy yeah. crap. <laughs> but also at the same time, the the way that you just explained that, I definitely feel like when I started playing the game, you know, around the end of... Um, or the beginning of Dust Line and stuff, um, that it seemed like... Doc and Rook were almost picked every single match, both of them. And now it's usually either one or the other or neither. So maybe, maybe in a way this is trying to, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm pulling at straws here. I'm just trying to like, maybe it's trying to balance something. Maybe it's trying to, bring the you know french brothers back together i don't know i mean i know what you're saying but to me wouldn't that sort of be an inevitability he was one of the base 20 operators and on defense one of the base 10 right because there's 10 of of each side so um you know now five years later and added another you know 30 something odd or whatever operators to the table so you know that 10 becomes 25 or whatever it is. Yeah, maybe if he was picked a lot in the beginning and he's not picked as much now, it's because there are three times as many operators or whatever, and so that's kind of to be expected uh, and shouldn't necessarily have to be redistributed because of it. You know, Ubisoft shouldn't be scratching their heads going, well, why is he being picked three times less? Well, because we have three times as many more operators to choose from. You know, so I don't know. Um, And again, none of this could even be legit i mean this is a this is a leak but we don't know how credible it is mm-hmm. so i do feel that the more that we talk about this the more i'm like i don't know <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> i i will say that uh if there are doc mains that like to to do the aggressive roaming they're probably squealing in excitement about this oh for sure <laughs> but this is just a super late april fool's joke <laughs> So, okay, so the next one then is Blitz, right? So his ADS time is going to get a little faster, and then the P12 will now have a red dot scope. So what do we think about this one? It says Blitz's ADS time is changing, but not Monty's. Once again, we're, we're talking hypotheticals. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with my thought process before I just, you know, crap on this idea. Um it makes sense to me if Blitz is ADS time. Well, wait, you said uh, Blitz's ADS time is speeding up or slowing down? I believe it's speeding up because it was fast. And then everybody's like, oh, it's too fast. And then they slowed it down again. 
So they're so, trying to speed it up. Yeah, I think it maybe it's just making it fast again. If that's the case, that makes sense to me because in reality, Blitz's shield is much smaller than Montaigne's. Well, it covers the same amount of area, but it's it's got to be a lot lighter because it doesn't have all well, that extra exactly, stuff on exactly. it. Exactly, and and you know, going from like Montaigne's fully deployed shield to ADSing should take longer than Blitz's smaller shield going to ADS. That makes sense to me. Yeah, um, yeah, it does. That, that that actually does make sense, but the the red dot scope, why? Well, we. But we, once again, once again, yeah, we talked about how all of the pistols were gonna get that right. The red dot scopes, all or some, yeah. I, and this does seem to fit with that. That just sounds that that makes me feel like Blitz is gonna turn into an even more pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, well, we can talk about that a little bit more once we get to the to the shield operators that yeah. we're going to talk about next. But yeah, um, just food for thought, I guess. So yeah. then we're going to look at Amaru. They say that they're going to decrease the time between landing and putting up her gun, and the Garahook can now fly indoor. Uh, so we talked a little bit about you know maybe that just means there's more spots she can use the hook from while still inside of the interior. Um, yeah. Decreasing the time between landing and putting up her gun. To me, I think that that's only a good change. Oh, 100%. I totally agree. Uh, I mean, what do you think about using Amaro when you're kind of, you know, you fly through the window and you land and you got to wait to pull up your go? What do you think about that? I honestly, the reason I never pick Amaru is, so we have we have a friend that we play with, um, Scally, and he loves Amaru. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I watch him go into a window and immediately die and be like, I didn't even get a chance to like aim my gun. And it's like those those milliseconds, seconds, however many long matter. You're breaking through a window. They know you're coming. If you can't ADS almost immediately, you're as good as dead. Right. You're literally just going to kill yourself. And that's, I mean, like, I, I feel like anytime I see someone take Amaru, I'm just like, unless that person just goes through a door, that person's going to die. I feel like there's kind of an issue, too, where Ubisoft is almost scared of some of the movement mechanics they've introduced between Amaru and now Oryx, where yeah. they have a thing that they do, whether it's flying through the window on a grappling hook or bursting through a wall oh. or climbing up a hatch. Uh, where they're like they're they're afraid to make it too good, so they go in the other direction and they make it super vulnerable. Yeah. But then it winds up being a situation where it's like you don't want to use it unless you know where you're using it is clear. Yeah. Like if I was an Oryx and I needed to jump up a hatch to take out an enemy that was taking back the site, I would be nervous to do that because I would know that I'm at a big disadvantage to yep. I make the noise when I grab the edge and I hoist myself up, I make another noise and then it's like a one, two, then I can pull out my gun. And by that time yep. I'm mowed down. Same thing with Amaru. Like if, if I'm going to go into a room and there's enemies in there, I almost know that like I should not do that because it's, it's suicide. So is it better to maybe have it be more viable so that you can respond in those situations? I think the concern comes in and I, if this is true, I understand the nervousness and the hesitation on Ubisoft's part. Uh, oh, for sure. Is that it seems to me that between Oryx and Amaru, when it comes to being able to pull out their gun faster after doing the movement, 
that you can very easily walk that fine line between being uh, a liability as it exists now or OP if you yeah. make them too responsive and then yeah. the other side can't respond. I can see how that's a big balancing problem on their end. Absolutely. But, you know, once again, uh, as we talked about on um, a handful of episodes ago, this would be a really good thing to, like, open the test server up forever and mess with the numbers. Yeah, you know, it'd be kind of neat to see them do something like on the test server, like, again, you know, Oryx and Amaro, right? Put them on there and just be like, hey, guys, today we're going to try it a half a second faster. And then yep. three days from now, we're going to try it a second faster. And then yep. three days after that, we're going to try it, you know, whatever 1. speed. Yep. And yeah. then we're going to see based on your feedback, which one of those kind of seems to be working the best and what you guys think. Exactly. That would be really great to see. <laughs> 100%. Because, it, I mean, it really is. Like we have said so many times that it just seems like um, Ubisoft either takes – one step, one step too far or one step not far enough. And finding that middle point is what's really important. Yes. You know, and, and especially with both of them, like I really enjoy playing Oryx, not Amaru, but like the only time I ever use his ability is during very specific situations or in prep phase. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I feel I've, there there are so many different opportunities that it's like, yes, if I just ran through this wall, I could probably get the advantage. But that reaction time is so slow that it's just like, is it worth it? Probably not. And then it comes down to the other side is that, you know, well, that's the balance. That's yeah. what keeps them from being too OP or keeps Amaro from being too OP. But then it's also what causes those operators for for people to be like, eh, I don't know if I want to pick them because Yo. that that balance comes with such a liability for me when I use her. Absolutely. Him, that, you know, yeah, it's a neat feature, but in 90% of the cases where I would want to use it, it would be suicide to use it. So why use it? <laughs> you know, um, so I, I don't know. It's. An interesting thing to think about, and uh, we don't know exactly what the value is. It just says decreasing the time between landing and putting up her gun. I think that that's a good thing, but I hope that Ubisoft doesn't do what they typically do, which is yeah. go two steps with it instead yeah. of the incremental one step of just trying it a little bit, you know? So mm -hmm. they kind of like, they're like, oh, something's bad. We're going to make it overpowered. Oh, let's something's make it great. Yeah, yeah. Or 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 something's okay. Let's make it terrible. You know, like one hundred percent. All right. So the next one, Nuck FMG nine will have an ACOG. Uh, I've got some opinions on that, but what are yours? Um, I'm gonna plead the fifth on this and just let you take over. Okay, okay. I think it is a fantastic change. I love it. Uh, why? Why? Because do you as an attacker. This gives her the ability to engage at a little bit longer range. She's one of uh, only two operators that have an SMG on the offensive side. And yeah. the other one, Jackal, that has the PDW, uh, he has the ability to take the assault rifle, so he has a choice. She does not. Her other choice is that 612 SD shotgun, which has right. terribly short range. And then you give her that uh, SMG, and again, she has very, very short range. So now you have an attacker 
that has no matter secondary, primary, either primary, uh, she's limited into her engagement range. And as an attacker, Ubisoft even said, like, on the interior and medium to short ranges, defense is supposed to, like, that is supposed to be, like, their zone that they own. And offense is supposed to own the the outside of the structure as well as the longer engagement ranges. Um, that That's the zone that, that you know, offense needs to, or, or they kind of prefer for offense to control. And it puts Nuck in this weird position <laughs> where she kind of can't, uh, do that as effectively. I'm not saying she's bad. I mean, it's smoke's gun and smoke can get kills, you know? Yeah. But as an, as an attacker, giving her an ACOG, I think is good. And I like to see the diversity of, yes, it's a reused gun across multiple operators, but that doesn't mean that all of the operators that use that gun need to get the same attachments. So smoke, not having the ACOG, but Nuck having the ACOG, even though it's the same gun, I think is a really solid change. And I like it a lot. I hear you, but I disagree. Okay. And here's why. When I think about playing Duck, I think of her as more of the offensive version of Cav. The one that sneaks around the corner, see, you know, has her ability going up so that the cameras don't see her, sneaks around the corner, sees the enemy, and is doing close combat as opposed to long distance. I feel, and once again, this is me personally, I feel Mm -hmm. that she was put into this game for those close quarter encounters, not necessarily the wrong range, long range. So, so to me, it just seems like they're, and I, I guess to a certain extent, I understand because everyone should be a little bit you know, versatile in the way that they can be used. Um, But I feel like they specifically made her to be a close quarter combat operator. Mm -hmm. And now they're just giving her the ability to do whatever she wants. Um, Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I do. Uh, You know, again, I just think that maybe if it wasn't the 612 SD shotgun, I'd be a little bit more on your side of the fence with that. But I can agree with the 612 SD shotgun has such a heavy damage fall off. You yeah. might as well have to be in melee range for that thing. Almost. Right. Uh, almost. If she had like with Jackal, Jackal is an attacker that has the PDW, which is like an SMG sort of. But if he doesn't want that, he's got the choice of the assault rifle. She right. doesn't have that choice as an attacker. That's true. Also, even though you give her the ACOG, uh, it's still got the SMG damage fall off, which does fall off a lot faster than an assault the, rifle. That's true. So even though you're that giving her that magnified optic with that accuracy, it, it's not. It's still SMG damage fall off, you know, and range. I see what you're saying, though. I do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if if she didn't have that shotgun, um, or you know, she had three options instead of just two, that. It, yeah, that I, I could see that. And then at least she could do like the assault rifle or something with a little bit like bigger um, scope. And um, you, but, you make a good comparison with Kavera, but mm-hmm. it's like she can kind of do a little bit of what Cav does in that she walks quieter, but she doesn't walk right. as quietly. That is true. And, 
you know, so it's like it's like she kind of does a little bit of what Cav does, but she doesn't do it as well. So to have her have a weapon like even Cav, if Cav wants to range, she can take the uh, the SMG and her SMG, I guess, was probably kind of on par with that. But I don't know. I just I, I, I like having the ACOG on it. So mm -hmm. so Jackal ITA 12S being removed. What do we think about that, especially after I, they just took away Mozzie's secondary uh, shotgun? I do not like that at all. Um, part of and, and you know, this also goes to the reason it's so nice that he, you know, has the ACOG is because I feel like he is a ranged operator, um, especially with his ability, you know, being able to detect enemies. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But like, you know, he is built for range, but then using that shotgun um, as more of a tool instead of a weapon. You know, so like trap doors, shooting up a trap door, shooting up um, the ceiling or, yeah, the floor above you um, and stuff like that. Being able to find those footprints not being on the same floor, that made him a better operator. This is taking away part of his play style, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So I do not like it at all. Like you said, let's let's re reserve that for our next topic of discussion yep. because we also have these other changes to talk about. Um, so I'm already so angry. <laughs> <laughs> so Jaeger uh, would be possibly losing barbed wire and getting a nitro instead. Interesting. I guess that would make him a little bit more of a shield counter. Yeah. For those situations. It, did he ever have nitrocell or was it just bandit? Uh, I don't think he ever did. It's... A little hard to tell because they've redistributed gadgets across all of the operators so many yeah. times, but I don't think he ever did before. Okay. I'm not completely against that idea. Um, to me, it sort of makes sense, but I would proceed with caution. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. Mm -hmm. I don't feel passionately against it, but I'm... I'm cautiously watching it and seeing if yeah. that comes to be or not. We already talked about the dock bulletproof camera and impact grenade uh, already. Yeah. Um, then, okay. So IQ losing breaching charges and getting smoke grenades instead. Poor IQ. Leave her alone. Because <laughs> <laughs> she used to have frag grenades and those got taken away. And now we're taking away breaching charges and putting in smoke grenades. Might as well just take away her ability too, and just, you know, yeah. You're a basic I, operator. So so by that statement, I take it then that you think that that's a bad change. Uh, 100%. Why? Because once it, it's taking away her ability to do what she does efficiently, um, using breaching charges to get into certain areas so she can take out gadgets was part of why she was such a great operator. If it's just like, okay, now you have smoke grenades, like how... How is she supposed to get into an area quickly and take out cameras? Well, she can shoot them through soft surfaces already. And if there's yeah, a breaching charge, that would be a soft surface. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, uh, imagine uh, a certain area. Uh, it's a soft wall, and she can't actually shoot the camera because there is, um, I don't know, floorboards or something. So she she uses the breaching charge to get a clear view of where it is, 
I would argue that that would be using IQ wrong. Because, I also don't use IQ's IQ a lot, so. Uh, so the, so, the breaching charge is a soft breach interaction gadget. And her gadget allows you to see detections through soft surfaces and shoot them through yep. soft surfaces already. So yeah. if you're having to pop a hole in that surface to see it when you can already see it anyway through the surface with the x-ray detector scanner thing, um, I would argue that you're probably using her wrong because you're making your position a lot more well-known when you could just take the shot through the soft surface and take out the gadget. Anyhow, uh, I'm not saying that there aren't circumstances where that might make that sh lining up that shot easier because there might be uh, an obstruction in the way, a cross beam or a piece of furniture or what have you. But or I would say, barricade. Um, yeah, I think that'd be about the only surface, though, that would matter. And does right. that happen enough that it requires the redistribution? Uh, I, I don't know. But I would almost argue that a smoke grenade fits her kit a little better. Uh, so think about that when uh, let's talk about maybe garage in consulate. Right. Okay. So your thermite has opened up the wall or your Hibana or whatever has opened up the wall. She throws in those smoke grenades, gets in behind white van. And mm -hmm. now, so she threw a smoke grenade in front of it. The whole area in front of white van is, is smoked out. And then there's another one in the back of it. That's all smoked out. Now she can see through the smoke cloud and detect the gadgets of the camera or the lesion mine or the whatever the Ella, mine that hasn't gone off yet whatever it might be and she can see that through the smoke and shoot them i think that enhances her ability more than the breaching charge does that makes sense that does make sense yeah uh it's also going to help her be a more effective planter in bomb mode especially considering she's a three speed so she right. can deploy the smoke get in there faster because of her fast movement rate plant and get back out again uh i think this is actually a good change okay so what do we think about all the attackers having breaching charges from three reduced to two across the board? Anybody that has them? That's tough. I mean, I don't think that's a terrible idea, mm -hmm. but it doesn't make me feel warm inside. I don't know. <laughs> it's you know what I mean. It, it's kind of the kind of the, it. Just like I'm not wowed by it, but I don't hate it. Right. I can tell you I've never run out of breaching charges when I use them on walls. Exactly. But I often will use all of my breaching charges when I use them on floors. That is true. Because that's what you're trying to do is rip open the ceiling above them. But maybe this is just making it so that you have to be more um, detailed with where you're doing it. Yeah. I think this is an intentional thing on their part to try to deal a little bit with that top-down attack. Yeah. Because, again, I've never run out of breaching charges when I need to get through a wall or through a door or through a whatever, right? In fact, you rarely ever use them in that way. I would argue that most of the time a breaching charge gets used, it's probably because of a top-down attack or maybe you need to get into a castle window yeah, or something like that. But they're really not used for the objective because that's already either reinforced or they've got the holes where they want them and you can't put them there anyway. Um, it's not really used for moving between empty rooms too often, although it can be if you want to make attacker rotations. Um, it's good for hatches, though. But again, yeah. two, two is plenty for that. So, mm. you know, I think this is a good change for me. The number one place where it's going to hurt the most is with, uh, is with Fuse. Yeah. Because I love putting down a Fuse charge 
and a breaching charge and then setting off the cluster charge and then when I hear the first detonation of the cluster charge go off, I hit the breach in charge so yep. that it gets masked in the cacophony of noise. And yep. they don't realize that now there's a big breach in charge hole, too. And so by having three charges uh, and three cluster charges, I can kind of pair that up with making those holes wherever I want to all over the site. And that was just I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, uh, so for sure. I'll, I'll feel that one a little bit if that's a if that's a change that's coming. I feel like. Kind of, kind of like what you were saying too with um, IQ. Like that's a very situational thing. If you're not using fuse, then it doesn't matter as much. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I don't know. I think it's good to counter the top-down attack uh, a little bit because, especially if you have multiple operators with breaching charges, you know, now you're ripping open six holes in the ceiling above a site. That's like, whoa! What do you do with that? You know, maybe yeah. you had somebody, a roamer up there to try to counter that, but they, they got taken out. And now you're in sight and just everything is, you have no cover. So this this helps make uh, things, I feel like, probably a little more, bit more balanced. Well, and especially when you add, like, Sledge into the, you know, yeah. equation as well. Because, uh, you know, Sledge is just making hole after hole and those, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say they're the exact same size as a breaching charge, but they're relatively big. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, okay, moving on then we've got Russian scopes changing to regular scopes. We talked about that. Uh, so we already knew about that one. <laughs> uh, and just as an aside to that, and I think I said this when we first discussed it is uh, I get why they would want to have the uniformity and that um, some of those Russian optics, Maybe they, they don't like the way that they, they function um, as far as, like, how they look. Um, I think, like, the Russian holographic is a, kind of a goofy one because the, the reticle doesn't actually meet in the center and there's a gap between the lines. Yeah. Or whatever. It's, it's a little funky. And so I can understand why people would rather have the choice of the standard ones. But I would say don't take them away. Just offer them in addition to. So yeah. it could be Russian holographic or regular holographic. Russian reflex or really- regular I really like the Russian ref- reflex. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is suppressors will decrease damage by 10%. Um, I'm not sure what they do currently, what the formula is for that. So I don't know if that's actually an increase, like if that's a buff or if that's a nerf. I would say I wonder if it's 10% from what it already decreases. Because doesn't it take some off now? Oh, that could be. I thought it was just saying it would decrease damage by 10% flat across the board. Like, on any weapon, it's just 10% reduction, 10% reduction, flat. Uh, But maybe that's 10% more than what it is now, which would be a significant nerf then, for sure. 100%. I don't like that. I mean, why would you you nerf suppressors, though? They're already, like, very few people pick them. It's not like it's some, like, OP meta that needs to be countered right now in the game or anything. For sure. So I'm thinking this is maybe more uh, will decrease damage by 10%. It's just, like, a flat value. So if your weapon did 34 damage, it would be 3.4 points damage reduction, rounded up or down, however they do that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so maybe that's just what what they're looking at going forward. I would anticipate somebody like Rogue Nine who really loves to crunch numbers and raw data and test hundreds of things. Um, mathematician yeah he might (laughs) he might put together something that would really break those numbers down if that's the case so that's all the uh year five season two balance changes that have been leaked again we don't know how credible these leaks are they they may be uh some of these things we know about from other Mm -hmm. sources 
So there's there seems to be a little credibility there. Um, a little bit, but it's not. It's definitely not as credible as some of the other leaks have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, and you know that it's 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 cool to kind of just like hypothetically guess about certain things, but yeah, there's there's no. For most of it, there's no factual evidence that this is actually something that's going on. But um, kind of going into what we were talking about a little bit, let's kind of talk about shield operator balancing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, we were kind of talking about Monty and Blitz and just, um, you know, the ADS speed for Blitz speeding up. Um, what do you think about just in general um, the difference between Monty Shield, Blitz's Shield, Fuse's Shield, uh, you know, Recruit Shield? Well, and... There's not the the Recruit Shield thing since the redesign isn't right. Yeah, um, right. and this, but that and then Clash too. I guess we could throw that in. Well, yes and no. I would just say no in that we've already discussed Clash a lot, but. You know, I, I want to get throw a fuse into that too. Yes, yeah, definitely fuse. Um, you don't see a lot of fuses with the shield, but it is definitely an option that can be picked. Uh, I think that first of all, I really liked what you said earlier about uh, how it would make sense for Blitz to have a faster, and I suppose fuse too, right? Because his mm-hmm. shield is more like the Blitz size, having a faster ADS than Monty, because Monty's has all that extra armor hardware that extends out from it, so it's going to weigh more. Um, I think that's an interesting point. However, though, adding on to that, I I would say that just in general, I think that Blitz and Fuse should be able to ADS faster than Monty in general, but I think Monty without fully extension in Monty with fully extension, I feel like there also should somewhat be a significant difference between those two. Well, he, wait, you've lost me because when his shield's fully extended, he can't have his pistol out anyway. That's what I'm saying. So like going out of that and then going into, well, I guess, yeah, yeah. We're saying the same thing, but differently. So you're talking about if he's transitioning out of it, yeah, it should yeah. be different than his, um, but if the point is that his shield is so much heavier because of all the armor behind it, uh huh. I don't know if that necessarily still holds water then. Yeah, that's true. Because the point is the weight, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I don't know. Um, I feel like it would be okay for Blitz to have a faster one. And then maybe Monty could get a little – maybe Monty could get half as much of a faster increase than Blitz. Because I think this, again, was a case of like – Shield operators were ADSing too quickly. They nerfed it, but they mer- they nerfed it to the point where, and this is just how we were talking about uh, Oryx and Amaru, how like there's yeah. this fine line between either you nerf them into oblivion or you buff them into god tier status. And yeah. so with a shield operator, if you have somebody that ADSs super quickly, they have that forward invulnerability. Uh, and if they ADS real fast, then they can you know really become combat effective killing machines when they're supposed to be more support tier. Um, and, but then if you go the other way and you nerf the ADS speed too much, you render them ineffective. So it's like, okay, you know, you really got to walk that fine balancing line. So I think maybe you could speed them up a little bit, but maybe speed up Monty only half as much as Blitz. And we're talking, we're talking about differences of like quarter seconds, half seconds, whatever, but it, it makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would like to see when it comes to Blitz is I, I've always felt like making him the 
the the freight train rush. When they made that change, I think that turned Blitz into a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and I get why it was done, uh, because the whole thing was that he, he needed to close the gap to use his gadget. But you don't see him closing the gap to use his gadget. You see him closing the gap to melee the person in the face. You know. He's not even using his, his flash charge most of the time. So what I would like to see is on Blitz, I would like to see maybe if he's going to do the freight train rush, that there's a little bit more vulnerability that comes with that. You can already shoot his feet, but if you have a Blitz chasing you up a flight of stairs, you can't do anything about that anyway. He's keeping up with you unless you're a three-speed, but if you're a one-speed or a two-speed and that Blitz is chasing you up the stairs, it's, you can't turn around and shoot his feet. He's He's on your heels. So I don't know, maybe slowing that that freight train rush down a little bit would be something that would be okay. It's like, yeah, he can sprint a little bit, but maybe not as fast as he's sprinting now. I don't know. I just feel like once they added that, that really took him into like nightmare status. Right. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. The, the other problem I feel that Blitz has is his flash is super inconsistent, whether it works or not. I have had situations where I have flashed somebody and you know when you flash somebody because the uh, game puts an animation up where they cover their, their hand goes over their eyes and their other hand goes out. So you can, you know, you have that visual feedback of I have stunned that player. I've blinded that player. So you know. Right. And there are so many times where I use his device and it doesn't work either because it's hard to judge the range or something stupid stupid happens where there is um, a piece of furniture that will occlude the range of the flash. I will have situations where I am on the other side of a wall from somebody uh, like a half wall. So let's talk about like maybe border second floor security room. You come in that one door, um, not the door that's over by armory side, but the door that's, um, um, more in the middle on the backside and you come yeah. in that door and then to your right there's that little pocket area that has like that refrigerator and the microwave there and to the left there's a vending machine but there's that half wall it only comes up to chest height and I will flash people you know I'll come in and there's somebody in that spot they're they're standing on the other side of that wall I'm sitting on the other side of that wall we can see each other clear as day I hit my flash and it doesn't affect them because that, yeah. that half wall occludes the flash but it's not even just a half wall I've done it on the other side of a desk so like that that desk that's in Villa, um, e either of them, the one up on second floor study or the one in basement um, when you first come in through through garage as you're heading to barrel storage, that desk that's there, I have flashed people on the other side of that desk. I'm on one side of the desk, they're on the other side. I hit my flash. That thing only comes up to like hip height, and it doesn't stun them. They're not they're not affected. They're not blinded, and then I get killed. And it's like uh okay, that was fun. So his flashbang or um, flash shield needs to be more consistent than it is. Yeah, I hear that for sure. I definitely have experienced that less than you because I feel like every time I go against that, I'm flashed in the face. <laughs> and then two seconds later, I'm dead. Right. How do you feel about where they sit with... So we've talked about their ADS speed. How do you feel where they sit with their hip fire? I mean, I feel 
like Blitz has better accuracy with hip fire. Really? I think they're about the same, aren't they? I I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like Blitz has a little bit of an advantage when it comes to hip fire. I mean, I suppose just because he can close that distance and get closer sooner, and then hip yeah. fire is more favorable when you're closer. Yep. So I mean, I guess maybe that way. But I guess I guess if I was gonna say if they were standing the exact same distance apart and they were shooting at a target and hip firing. I'm not sure who I think would have better accuracy. Yeah, I in think they're the head, same. It, it, but in my head, it would make more sense that it was Blitz. Solely for the fact that he's holding a lighter shield, there's not as much, you know, movement to it. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, being, being in that position, you know, where you're holding your pistol over the shield if that shield is heavier and it's pulling you down, you're, you're using more of your muscle memory to keep it up than you are to, you know, focusing on your aim. Yeah. I feel like that semi takes away, but I guess that's also, that's considered the ADS hip firing is just shooting from the side. Right. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. So I remember a time when I was first involved in the game. And so uh, when I went out as part of the Road to Montreal event, uh, that was something where we were involved with testing the game before the game ever launched. It was several months before the game ever launched. Um, and we went out to Montreal for a week to work on it. And Shield operators, and this is, like, I signed an NDA when I was out there, and there's certain things I can't talk about. But this is an aspect I can talk about because the development team did actually talk about what they did with Shields. Uh, so so this one is already sort of public knowledge. But uh, plus there's gameplay footage that exists of it happening. But originally, shield operators could ADS uh, in front of the shield. They wouldn't even have to lower it. Basically, the the right arm would just reach around a little further in front of the shield, and you would ADS in front of the shield. And you would still be just as invulnerable as if you were hip-firing, but you were ADSing. That is absolutely ridiculous. Right. That is absolutely ridiculous. And it was actually the feedback from our team that said... Uh, and uh, at the time, the community manager, um, Chase Strait, had said that uh, uh, Chase said that, you know, this as a result of the feedback from from the guys that came out here for Road to Montreal, this is one of the changes we made. Uh, and so I remember our team saying, this does not work. This is so unbalanced that this tank right. is unstoppable. You have to build in a vulnerability if they want that accuracy. And it was our idea to cant the shield, to tilt it and fire over the top where you expose the head and the shoulders and the arms and stuff like that. And I think out of the 10 of us, like it was either unanimous or like eight out of 10 of us or nine out of 10 of us were all all like nine to one. Yeah. Like, like you just, you've got to make this change. Like you cannot leave this this way. Um, And even the hip fire was ridiculously accurate. So um, those changes that wound up coming to the shield operators, like if anybody thinks shield operators right now are completely unbalanced Holy crap, you should have seen the way they were, you know, um, when the game first came out. And again, I'm not saying anything that isn't already known because uh, we were part of the team uh, after this was post alpha, but pre beta. So like, you know, people had already seen gameplay footage of the shield operators working prior to our feedback. So it's not like this wasn't known. Um, and again, you know, the community manager, Chase, uh, did did talk about, you know, the changes our team uh, recommended in regards to shield operators at the time. But 
the state that they were in once upon a time was just like they were so god tier. It was unbelievable. It was like going up against like you would come around a corner and that wasn't that wasn't Blitz. That was freaking Iron Man. You know, like there was oh, nothing you yeah. could do. You know, just some interesting things. But one thing that they did, and this was in the patch notes that like maybe the first patch notes or second patch notes or uh, something. Or, or maybe it was a series of patch notes that came out as a result of the changes we did. Whatever it was, I remember reading it, though, uh, that they introduced stagger to the shield operators when they were hip-firing so that as their shields were getting buffeted by incoming rounds, it would affect their hip-fire. It would be more, um, you know, jittery or whatever yeah. as they were getting those rounds. And it's something that we don't see the benefit of a lot because you don't typically hip-fire as shields very often. You just, right. you really don't because it's so ineffective. Even when you put a laser sight on there to tighten up the hip fire a little bit, it's still like you can shoot one shot and it goes up in the ceiling and another shot, the next shot goes down on the floor and it's like, it's all over the place. But what would you think as a balancing mechanic for shields if they took that same stagger principle, which again, we almost never see the benefit of because almost no one really legitimately hip fires with a shield. But if you took that stagger effect and you applied it to also the ADS state, so if you're firing at that Blitz or that Monty and, you know, yes, of course, shoot him in the head, right? Instant problem solved, right? But that doesn't always happen. You don't always get off the headshot. So, uh, you know, if they're, if they're taking those shots to the shield, what if the stagger effect also affected that? Because those rounds, like they've got the right wrist braced on the shield. So if that shield is being buffeted by all kinds of incoming rounds, what if it bounced their ADS all around at the same time too? For shields. Huh. That's very interesting. And again, I know the stock answer is, well, if you can shoot them, just shoot them in the head and, and it's over. Well, yeah, not everybody lands headshots every single shot they take. Also, sometimes they, sometimes you have an angle on them where you can see part of the shield, but you can't see their head just because of the angle or whatever. Yeah. So, you know. That could be, I, I, I could, I could get on board with that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I do think also it'd be nice to see their hip fire tightened up just a little bit. A little bit. Not much. You know, I'm talking maybe 10%, 15%. We're not talking anything crazy. Right. But just some of that, that, you know, again, I can stand there and hip fire with a Monty or a hip fire with a Blitz, and one shot goes in the ceiling, the next shot goes in the floor. It, that's a little too RNG. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's um, let's go to our next topic. Um, this is a fun discussion about our our favorite operator uh jackal um what is that qp trey uh from reddit posted this we need to talk about jackal in my opinion jackal is the single most oppressive operator in the game he doesn't counter an operator or a gadget he counters an entire play style in the game it is virtually impossible to roam when there is a jackal on the enemy team. If you track an enemy as jackal and have even a semi-competent team, uh, it should be an automatic kill. At the very least, it will show your team exactly where the roamer is and allow them to cut off any rotations they may do. If you get tracked... The round is essentially over for you unless you can win a gunfight against an entire enemy team that has wall hacks on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. 
The worst part is how it is literally the easiest thing in the world to use this gadget. Turn it on, scan a footprint, you found at the edge of the map, profit. On top of this, Jackal has two of the best attacking assault rifles in the game, as well as a secondary shotgun and smoke grenades, giving him an incredible amount of utility. I can agree with that. Yes, absolutely. I honestly think... I honestly think Ubisoft may need to look into a major rework of this character. A few ideas I had would be to make it so that you only get pinged one time, no matter how recent your footprint is. Also, make it so that only Jackal can see the ping, so he actually has to make a call out to his team instead of giving everyone free info with no effort. Or maybe they can make it so that if you find a footprint, his scan highlights like a 20 to 25 meter trail pointing you in the direction the enemy went. Anything like this would be way less annoying and oppressive to play against. Any thoughts? Oh, yeah. I definitely have thoughts on this. Um, Plenty. Yeah. So first of all, let me say that I think that there are a lot of very valid points in here. Uh, There's one or two things I disagree with, but I think that overall I can get on board with a lot of what he's talking about. First, let me start with what I disagree with. And that's where he says, um, or maybe, maybe it's not that I disagree with him, but that I disagree that it's a problem. He says he doesn't counter an operator or gadget he counters an entire play style in the game. So I don't actually disagree with that. I, I do agree with it, but... But it's not a problem. But it, it's... He, he's an anti-roaming operator, and that's needed. There should be an operator that that has that specialty that deals with... He was introduced uh, almost as an answer to Kavera because when she came out, she really upped the aggressive roaming, and then people yep. in Season 4 uh, that would have been... Um, Red Crow in season in yep. Red Crow, people were really noticing that wow, the roaming game has really jumped up a lot because of Cavetta. And so when Velvet Shell came out, then we had this Jackal that kind of was an answer to that. And I'm sure he was already in development, but um, by the time Jackal was released, it was like, oh, thank God, finally yep. somebody that can kind of counter all this roaming BS, right? So, yes, he doesn't counter a specific operator gadget. He does counter an entire play style in the game. Good. I'm all about that. Now, let's talk about his other ideas because I think that there are some good points here. Uh, So he says if you get tracked, the round is essentially over for you. I cannot count the amount of times where I have been infuriated about a jackal that has pinged me. And then as soon as the, the scan's clear, I get pinged again. Yeah. And then as soon as those get cleared, I get pinged a third time. This idiot jackal, and maybe it's not an idiot thing because he's actually kept me pinned the entire flipping round, but has decided to just sit there and just over and over and over again reveal my position. And if I'm an objective, eh, maybe not a big deal unless they're pushing the objective. But like the amount of times it's happened where I'm like, oh, God, this jackal, I just want to kill him. Mm-hmm. That's so frustrating. Um and so I feel like he's actually got a good sense of what I would like to see done in that I wouldn't mind seeing maybe if that Jackal scans you and gets one ping out of it and that's it. No matter how recent, even if he's got the red footprint or the blue footprint, whatever it is, I could see getting one ping. Um, I'm also 
I'm on the fence about whether just Jackal sees it or the whole team sees it if it's only one ping. Um, I could go either way on that. I don't feel super strongly one way or the other, but I do feel like that dumb ping just, you know, time after time after time, and then if they scan you three times, you know, you wind up multiplying that up and you're just tracked and pinged for the entire flipping round. Yeah. That's that's just too much. Okay. Um, I do like his footprints, you know, that he can see the footprints. I would honestly be fine with a Jackal rework that just showed you the footprints. That was it. No, no, no scan, no ping, no tag, just shows you the footprints. I'd be fine with that, honestly. His point about Jackal having a lot of utility, he does have a lot of utility. He really does. Um, but if I'm okay with correctly. that. If used correctly. But I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I could see maybe, like, they're talking about taking away his shotgun, in, secondary shotgun in these patch notes uh, if, if the leak is real. So that sounds like it might already be being addressed. I hope right. that they're not um, mm-hmm. because that utility is super. He's a hunter. And in order to hunt, he has to be able to traverse the map. And that may mean taking out a shotgun and blowing a hole in a hatch so that he can drop down. And, yep. you know, and, and like, okay, I saw that these footprints went down those stairs. So if I blow out this hatch over here, I'm going to head them off. He's a hunter. He should be able to follow a trail in whatever way moving around the map fluidly should be a thing for a hunter to do. I agree with that. Uh, but I could see maybe losing the smoke grenades. You know, putting something else, I don't know what it would be, but putting something else in there, I think, could be um, something useful. Maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe flashbangs. What's his other choice besides, it's breaching charges, isn't it? Uh, Claymore. Is it? I don't know, I'd have to look it it up. It's a Claymore. I I, I could see. Claymore and Smokes. Okay, Claymore and Smokes. I could see him getting uh, Claymore and flashbangs so that if he tracks those red footprints into a certain room, oh, he's in that room now throwing a flashbang. Yep. I I could see see that. that. You know, making some sense, and then that would make him a little less viable for the smoke plants for a yeah. bomb. I'm on board with a lot of of what he's saying in this. Uh, what do you think? Well, um, before I go into my opinions, what do you think about this 25 meter trail pointing you in the direction, and that's it? No, I don't like that. I yeah. I, I like I like the footprints as they are now, but I I've got issues with the tags. I think the tags can either go uh-huh. entirely or just like one tag and that's it. I agree and disagree. So I also agree that, you know, he counters an entire play style as he should. Like you said, he's an, he's a hunter. That's, that's his job. That's what he does. Um, I don't think it's virtually impossible to roam. With him, um, as many times as I've been tracked by Jackal and gotten killed, I have also been tracked by Jackal and led whoever's trailing me into a trap. That has happened many times for me. That's a valid point. Yeah, so for for me, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking on the opposite end. So, like, I don't necessarily think that's a terrible thing. What I will say... I definitely think that you could come up with a happy medium when it comes to ping time. How many times you get pinged? They already reduced it. Yeah, but I think, yes, they did. Um, But I think they could do it a little bit more. I I think one is a little too little. um, Because then it's just like no better than a drone. Um, 
but I could see it, you know, maybe time is cut in half or something like ping twice um, or something instead of, you know, just a single ping um, because, you know, that, that gives you endless amount of direction that you could be going as opposed to, you know, you ping once, okay, I'm heading this direction, ping it again. Okay. He's more in this area, but then that's it. You know, that's, that's all the info you get. Um, so I could, I could, uh, compromise with that. Um, I actually really enjoy the idea of Jackal being the only person that sees the pings, but the only way that I would be on board with that is super situational when we have a five man squad, (laughs) all all other times would be like, no, this is, this is terrible. Um, but like if, if there is some way to, um, well, I mean, in pro league, he doesn't play any, but it's really hard for me to like trash talk jackal because i play him so much you're borderline Um, a jackal main yeah (laughs) i I mean i wouldn't even say borderline i am i like i sometimes i like try not to pick jackal and then i end up picking jackal anyways it's just it's my life it's what happens um (laughs) but like i i definitely I, i i i understand why he gets banned in ranked all the time it totally makes sense he definitely could use um, uh, a little buff, but I, I I think some of the stuff that he's saying is a little extreme. Um, I also do not like the 20 to 25 meter trail, um, but I also kind of like what you were saying too about how um, instead of like a scan system, you just see footprints. Um, and it's, you know, obviously like... Um, you know, red is recent and so on and so forth. And I think, I think that actually would be, um, I would be really interested to try that, uh, on the test server and see how that would be. Cause that also forces you to communicate a little bit more, um, which kind of brings you back to the core of this game. Yeah. Strategy and communication. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I could be on board with that. Um, I would even, kind of agree with you and be on board with getting rid of the smokes because I, I, he does have a lot of utility and he doesn't necessarily need all of it. Um, you know, it's awesome to have it, but I feel, I feel like there's some, there's some stuff that could be balanced. I will say if they do take away his secondary shotgun, then maybe because then he would no longer have the ability to breach hatches for oh, well, then hunting. No, yeah. Then yeah. I would say if you're going to take away the smoke, maybe give him the breaching charge so he can at least yeah. do that. I agree with that 100%. Um, I, yeah, I was going on my rant uh, without losing the shotgun. And again, I hope for it too, but, you know, I hope for it for Mozzie as well, and Mozzie's losing it. So I, I see it as likely for Jackal because it's like they just don't know what to do with Jackal. Um, he's frustrating to play against. He's constantly banned, but I feel like he's banned as a, as like a bandwagon band. We ban him because everybody bans him right now. And that's just the thing to do. Ban Jackal. And it's like, he's actually not that. I mean, like, what does he do in bomb mode that makes it so difficult to deal with? I would rather ban 
certain other operators that make bomb mode more difficult. Difficult. Like mm-hmm. like that Monty that will turtle up on top of the diffuser. Yeah. Is more of a pain in the ass in bomb mode, which is the only place where you can do ranked bands. Pick and ban, yeah. Uh you know, th- that Monty that sits on top of the diffuser and prevents you from even getting to it to diffuse it is more of a problem for uh, bomb mode than Jackal is. 100%. And I get the Echo ban. Like, Echo is an mm-hmm. operator who cancels the diffuse animation. Yep. I, I understand that, you know, but, like, Jackal doesn't do anything specifically for bomb mode, so the fact that he's banned almost every match is just, like, that's just a bandwagon ban. Yep. We're, we're doing it because it's the popular thing to do right now, not because, you yep. know, I don't know. I agree. And I'm not sure. saying he isn't frustrating because he can be. He oh, absolutely sure. can be. I can't even tell you the amount of times that I played against a Jackal that is complete trash. And it's just like, OK, well, you just led yourself to your own death. It's also it's also about how you actually use him, because there's also been certain times that like. We have played in, you know, uh, less than a five-man squad, and our random is, or one of our randoms has picked Jackal and is just, you know, randomly scanning people that it, it doesn't matter. And it's like, okay, well, now all of your scans are gone and you're useless. Yeah, but, but I've also played against a lot of v- very excellent Jackals that make my life a living hell. And I think there's a lot of valid points to, I don't know, what's being said there with that. Yeah, So I agree with some of what he's saying, but I, I don't agree with all of it. But. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the next thing, and that is uh, Intero, a popular pro league caster, put out a tweet recently that I thought was relatively interesting. Um, he proposed creating, re- recreating situations as tutorials showing the basics, and that's sort of what they're supposed to do in the first place. They're supposed to teach you one by one, you know, like this is how to deal with this situation or this is how to drone out and find the objective or this is how to use smoke or this is how to whatever. And so there's sort of tutorials a little bit, but they're not mm-hmm. very great at what they're trying mm-hmm. to do. And so what Intero said was uh, his tweet reads, Rainbow Six would really benefit from a proper tutorial. New players are thrown to the wolves, expected to learn an extraordinarily deep and complex game with very little assistance. A tutorial system would ease frustration while teaching newer players how to properly play the game. And then, um, you know, and all the sub comments that followed that and people responding to that. So many people were like, well, isn't that what situations are for? And then Intero kind of says, you know, like, well, they're supposed to be, but they really do not do a good job of conveying what the basics are now. One thing I want to throw out there is that what are the basics to a pro league player is probably not the same as what are the basics to a silver player or what have you. Right. So their idea of like people, because he says people are in gold, they're in high plat, they're, they're even in diamond and they're not doing the basic fundamentals. They're not doing the basics. It's like, well, if people are in platinum and diamond Either they got carried there if they don't understand the fundamentals or your idea as a pro league, you know, participant uh, in that world uh, of what's basic is probably very different from their idea of what's basic. So we may be talking about slightly different kinds of concepts. Um, But throwing that out there, I think it's an interesting thing to think about because, first of all, situations are they they suck. They're terrible. Um, 
but throwing that out there, what would you think about a system that basically either replaced situations or was added onto situations or uh, was, was, I don't know, something, and were scenarios that a new player could run through and it, maybe it would be a step-by-step thing of, um, because the situations don't explain much when you go through them. There's like that little cutscene with Angela Bassett talking as a voiceover in the beginning of the thing, and then you just go and you do whatever. It doesn't really give you a lot of guidance. Right. So what would you think about something where there's scenarios that are played out and they say, okay, do this, then this, and then you do this and then this. And then it says, okay, now as Thatcher do this or as bandit do this. And then, so it kind of teaches you some of those fundamentals so that when you go into your first casual match, you're not like, wait, what, what walls do I reinforce or why do I do whatever? I I, I don't know. What would, what would you think about something like that? I think that as long as it wasn't like a man, like, okay, so you know how um, other games, it's like before you can even play the game, you have to play the tutorial. Right. If you didn't, if you didn't have to do that, and it was just like, if you want to learn more, go into this situational tutorial thing, I would be on board with that because at least it's giving that information to people that might want to find it. Right. If it's something like, oh, you're forced to play this like long ass tutorial that is super boring if you don't know what's going on or if you do know what's going on and now you're like forced to play this, it'd be like, I don't know if I want to waste my time. Right. You know what I mean? Think if it, if, it, if it was something that you could access, but you weren't, you didn't need to. You're do, not forced to. Not forced to do, then I would be on board. Yeah. No, I feel absolutely 100% I agree with you on that. Um, What if it was something where like, okay, so like we know how the situations are now, right? Uh-huh. You're essentially like you're either a recruit or like for this mission, you're thermite. For this mission, you're smoke, whatever it is. Um. You know, but again, it doesn't give you a whole lot of reasons why. Like the one where you play smoke and you're just supposed to hold guys off for four rounds and say assault the hostage position. Like it's supposed to teach you about hostage, but really it's teaching you about terrorist hunt hostage, which isn't anything like how multiplayer hostage goes. Significantly different. Right. Um, And like it's supposed to teach you how to use the operator, but you can get through the whole thing without ever having to touch his gadget. And like, I don't know. So what if they did some scenarios where instead of taking that approach, they took up preset scenarios that were already either set up or setting up, and it was a it was a fixed variable so that you spawned in. Okay, so say you spawn in as Bandit, and the other four players on the team are, are they're controlled by bots. And as a tutorial, they will go through the same actions like this. This bot will go up and reinforce this hash. This bot will go over here and whatever. And like as it's happening, it'll just kind of like it'll pause and it'll show you, OK, this person went up here to reinforce the hash because it leaves the site vulnerable from above if they don't, you know, and then it, it like, OK, and then it resumes and then it goes to the next thing. And then it guys you to your point. OK, now that this wall is reinforced, the attackers are going to push from the outside. You need to listen when you hear the sound placed down your charge or they have you do it first having the charge static and then the Thatcher blows it up. So it shows you, you have the bandit charge. Thatcher has countered you. Now here's how to bandit trick. Here's how you're going to bandit trick. And it pauses and it says, listen for the sound. When you hear the sound, do it. And then like, say if you do it and then you miss it, it'll like, 
back you up. No, that wasn't right. Try again. You know, and kind of took you through that thing. It's like the bot players, the other four bot characters are doing their thing or whatever that's pre-scripted. But then as a player, you're like, oh, that's why I put a reinforcement on a hatch. Or maybe there's a part where it says, okay, you know, shotgun open this wall. And then you shotgun open the wall and then it pauses you and it says, this allows you to rotate around this wall rather than being trapped into one bottleneck. You know, and it kind of puts you in those things of like, do this. Okay, you've done it. Here's why. You know, what do you think about that sort of a style? I actually 1000% agree with that. I think that would actually be amazing. Mm -hmm. I really, I actually really like that way better than the situations that we have now. Um, yeah, I, I really like that because the, it, it definitely, it, for me especially, like, because I started um, semi-late to the game, um, I feel like there were certain operators that I didn't necessarily understand how to play effectively or efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until later on that it really started to click. Yeah. And I feel like if, cause, cause I started out, um, I, I even, I specifically remember, um, the day my friend bought me this game for my birthday. I, I downloaded it when we went out to eat. And then I, he was like, don't play anything except for the situations and terrorist hunt. That'll give you a premise of what this game is like. And it was like, okay, Nope. You're wrong. This is this isn't anything like this game. I, I mean, but it isn't. It isn't. It you learn. It isn't, it isn't. Yeah, you learn the map. You learn the guns. But yeah. playing against terrorists is nothing like playing against completely people. Completely different. Completely different. Um, but it also brings up an interesting thought of a different type of situation mode where you could play with actual so in, instead of playing against a bunch of terrorists um you were put into a bot game of you and four bots were attacker or defender operators and five bots were attacker defender operators and vice versa and you could play out scenarios like you could just play the game as like they randomly pick operators, you randomly pick operators and you pick or the bots randomly pick our op- operators and you pick who you actually want to be and you play the game as if you are actually playing a 5v5. Yes. I think that would be so much better than what Terrace Hunt actually is as a warm-up game. Um, yeah, I think the only problem comes into like, maybe that could have been done with the base 20 operators, but as they're, I mean, they're trying to build up to a hundred operators. Eventually there's so many variables on what operators interact with, what gadgets counter, which things do, which other things. And then destruction brings, there's too many variables for full on bot modes for, for that kind of a thing. That's true. But if you had bot modes that were scripted for tutorial purposes, so no matter what you did, Sledge was always going to hit this spot. But when he does, the tutorial right. window pops up to tell you why you did this or what you do about it. You know, Thatcher will always hit that wall with this thing. But when you bandit trick, this will always be the outcome. And that teaches you 
because I think to just kind of like be like, okay, load up any one of a you know any ten out of a hundred possible operators, let them all be bots and let the pieces fall where they may. I don't know that, that it's even possible to have that many permutations play into something that would even resemble a, a realistic you know situation of how a game would actually go. But that's true. But maybe maybe then instead of all of the operators, maybe it's just like a couple or something. Exactly, exactly. Like the original twenty or something, or I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like there's ways that they can make that work. I mean, obviously, I feel like people like to play Terrace Hunt. I mean, I like to play Terrace Hunt, um, and I guess adding this in it could be another like training mode or right. uh, training grounds or whatever the hell it's called. Um, something like that. Or would it just be extra space and would people not actually utilize it? Not really sure. I just think it would kind of be cool to add some sort of thing like that. Well, and what if you had levels of it too, where like, so there's these scenarios that you could play out and you have like your, your new player scenarios and then you have your intermediate scenarios and then you have your advanced scenarios and then you have like your pro league level scenarios. Right. Now now you have people that are like, well, I've been playing the game already for a while, but like let me check out advanced scenarios and pro league level scenarios and see what some of those tutorials do that are like this isn't just why you reinforce a wall, but this one is like why you do XYZ setup to counter XYZ setup, you know, or something like that. Now I'm going to one up you even more because I love that. <laughs> Now go with me. Now, you and I have played Far Cry 5 together. Uh, oh, I was going to go here. Damn it, Dan. Okay. So it, so picture this. Go um, in a situation like you take uh, copper, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond champion different levels of different ways to create situations and i don't don't necessarily know how they would figure that out that's beyond me i'm just coming up with the ideas um but all the people that are trying to get to certain levels are able to practice situations in this class of difficulty so what if it was something like, because you're bringing up the Far Cry editor, and where I was going to go with that would be where you would have the ones that Ubisoft would pre-make, um, and then yep. people could make their own. This is only for this situational tutorial mode. It doesn't exist exactly. for anything yeah. else. But like, you could essentially be like, okay, I'm going to load up Chalet, and I'm going to pick these five operators on offense, these five operators on defense, and then it almost goes into like, um, like the Pro League um, uh, spectator mode. Right. Where you can you can toggle between any of the people and you can kind of like essentially record a motion with them. So you can record uh, Thermite running up to the wall and placing a charge and then you can record. Then you switch over to Bandit and you record him going over to the wall and placing down a charge. And so you sort of essentially build like this interaction of all the five pe- or five people on each side. And then you take one of those roles and you designate that that role is going to be the player role. And then so they go through that scenario and then you, you know, so then you and then you also can say type up your your on screen text that says, okay now do this, now do this, now do this. And so then when they go through the tutorial steps, it's basically like you have your Ubisoft tutorials, but then you also have like your your community made tutorials that people can download and try to learn new strats, new techniques. 
Absolutely. I think that would be an amazing addition to the game. Definitely be an advanced feature, but I can see how it would get to be something where like, because if Ubisoft it's pre-made space, well, if Ubisoft pre-made a bunch of things, well, I mean, and how does Far Cry do it too? You know, like you download a few and then, you know, you, you get rid of them and then you download the next few and you get rid of the old ones, whatever. But like yeah. Ubisoft wouldn't be able to cover every possible situation because there is so many permutations. But maybe you just want to make a tutorial uh-huh. to teach new players how to deal with maestro turrets or whatever. Well, and that's the thing. What? Why can't Ubisoft, uh, I mean, uh, once again, this is all hypothetical because they're not obviously going to do this, but um, Ubisoft could just do the basics and then leave it up to the actual players to do more advanced strats. Yeah, if they had the editor. here, here, well, Well, yeah, exactly. Here are some solid tips on how to do basic strategies with each operator cool now go into the custom creator list or whatever where you know all of the players have come up with their own strats you know whether it's a pro league strat or just like uh you know protect this room strat um you know specific things whatever like, I feel like the possibilities would be endless. Yeah, and then I think able to do that, but. you could even put in a system that rewards players to play. So maybe for each one that they complete, they get nothing too crazy, but, you know, 50 renown or 100 renown or whatever for completing uh-huh. one of these things. And then if they do the same one over and over, you only get it the first time you play it or something. But um, yeah. And then you would maybe have a system that, that has verified people. So um, maybe certain uh, like Ubisoft developers, content creators, Pro players and streamers would have a, a, a verified thing like like on Twitter, you, you know, you get that verified checkmark thing. So, you know, this comes from like a quote unquote reputable source. And if it's not a verified thing, then it's coming from just any old person. And then you could have a player rating system where that, you know, this is a one star tutorial. Or this is a five star tutorial. And then you can when you're searching for tutorials, you can stack them by like show show highest rated tutorials. So you kind of filter out the junk ones, you know, and put that kind of system in place. I I am 100% on board with this. <laughs> this is yes. Once again, let's do another yeah. All right. <laughs> Carrying on. We could talk about that forever. Um so there is uh and we'll we'll post um the video of this uh under a subreddit. Um but there is now more leaked gameplay of uh the stolen goods um thing on uh the old hereford with the new hereford uh polish um and it's all full destruction there's even parts in the video um where they show um breaching where the safes are and the safes dropping a floor below and like killing people <laughs> that is amazing it's ridiculous <laughs> it's so crazy dude so crazy it looks it looks so intense um, what do you think? So first of all, I mean, I, I've, you've heard me say this a million times on the show before, but I've wanted old Hereford to come back as something playable for so long. And so long. I'm like, uh, I'm really lukewarm on the fact though, that it's, it's all textured in new Hereford style, even though it's old Hereford layout. But I will say that I think this mode might be a mode that I will play excessively 
because of that destructibility on the walls and the floors or the ceilings and the floors. Um, it completely adds a whole new aspect to this game. Like the things that'll happen might be just absolutely ridiculous. And just like, I can't wait. The fact that like, I, sh I got to see them like shooting around the safe and the safe fell on top of a person and killed them. Like, just like, yes, it's that ridiculous. is ridiculous. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's just, like, all kinds of, like, dumb things like that. And it's, like, yeah, it's absolutely screw-around mode. Like, it's not going to be ranked or anything like that. It's just going to be screw-around mode. Right. But it is going to be so fun, I think, when it comes out. I'm excited for that. I think that I think that's going to be really cool. It's going to be really interesting um, because this, this is obviously just going to be this one specific mode, right? That's pretty much what... Yeah. So it, it, it's just going to be one of those things that like, kind of like what you're saying, there's going to be so many different tactics. It's, it's just going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be chaos and that's going to be really fun to play. Well, and they've given people altered weapon loadouts, which I think is super interesting. Like they showed Goyle running around and I was really confused because I thought I was watching Echo because it, it's Echo's uh -huh. um, supernova shotgun. Uh, but... Well. It was Goyo. And I'm like, wait, what? And then I saw um, Warden running around using Mozzie's super shorty. And I was like, wait, what? And wait so what they've, what they've done is they gave they made sure that each operator had a high destructibility weapon so that they right. could do all of this, like, environmental yep. destruction. And I'm like, oh, yes, that is so cool. Because, like, if you had Goyo's normal shotgun with the slug shotgun, like, you really can't, like, rip apart the walls and the ceilings and floors. But with that right. supernova, you know, look out, everything's getting ripped up. So, yeah, that's that's really cool. Especially, I mean, especially because and I know I know we were kind of like hot and cold about if this was going to be a full destructive map. Why aren't there like baseboards and, you know, floorboards and whatever and beams and stuff. Um, but if they're giving everyone a means of total destruction, that's going to be really freaking cool. Now, I do worry a little bit about, and I'm sure they've play tested the heck out of this to try to figure this out in advance. But you know what happens is you have like 100 people play test something in, in Montreal. And then once yep. it gets delivered to, you know, 50 million people, they're going to find way more stuff that those, you know, 100 or 200 or whatever people never even could find. Uh, and it's going to take them like two hours to find it. But yeah. like I worry about ways to make it unwinnable or unplayable where there's like this ultimate meta and like you make it so like you've blown out so much of the floor that players can't even enter a room or do a thing or like, you know, like basically creating like unwinnable situations. Yeah. I worry about that a little bit with the potential of this mode. Well, maybe, maybe even, because, I mean, thinking about it, like, even if it was, like, secure area, bomb, hostage, all you would have to do is just shoot around the object and it would drop. So maybe maybe this is going to be a completely different game mode that's not any of those, and it's just going to be a deathmatch, destroy everything type thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's something with the safes. There, there's multiple safes. There's something right. with those. They showed them as something you can interact with, but when they interacted with them, nothing happened. So it almost seemed like the feature wasn't turned on 
or, or whatever. Okay. There's something with those safes. I don't know what the deal is. Um, and in the previous, right. we did, we did kind of talk about how that could potentially be like a capture the flag thing or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, or what if, what if like the, the goal is to, I didn't see if there are any safes on the middle floor, but like, what if all the safes are on the top floor and the whole point is to drop the safes to the basement? That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would be so into that. So then like as defenders, you wouldn't want to destroy certain things because you don't want to make it easier for them to do it. You want to use your destruction to stop the attackers. But then as the attackers, you want to use the destruction to drop the safes down while defense is trying. Like, I don't know. That that could get all kinds of interesting. That could. But then, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of unanswered questions I have about that. Um, can you use your reinforcements then on the floor instead of on the walls? I wouldn't be surprised if there wouldn't even be reinforcements. Kind of like the Golden right. Gun mode. It's yeah. just like, it's just, well, they had reinforcements, but like, it was like, it started, boom, there's no prep phase. The attackers are already rushing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it was maybe something like that. Okay. I don't know. We'll find yeah, out soon. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> when do you think that's actually going to come out? Well, we we only had Golden Gun during season one, so it's possible that as soon as the battle pass ends in a couple weeks, we may see it then. Uh, right. It could even be for year two, and then, but I I don't know what else we would have gotten as our season event if it's not this one. So I'm thinking that this will be we'll have this, and then it'll go up to season two. Okay, that makes sense. So let's move on to uh, the pro tip then that we have for this week. Uh, so this is going to be a few of my favorite drone spots on the bank map. And, um, and I know that you you are a master of the drone spots. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, yeah. So we're going to go over a couple of these. Um, the first drone spot that we're going to talk about on bank is going to be in the, the main lobby. Uh, so this one is one that is going to show you like two-thirds of the entire uh, front half of this map. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your drone through those three front doors uh, in that ATM hallway. And then when you get into the main lobby, to the right of that first double door you come through after you come through the three single doors in the front steps, uh, you're going to turn to your right and you're going to see an overturned like, I don't know, it's like a couch or a chair or something there. And there's a TV on the wall above it. So you're first going to jump on that overturned couch and then you're going to jump up on top of that TV hanging on the wall. Now, from there, you're going to go to the end of that TV and you're going to jump onto the crenellation above that double wide doorway. So you're going to jump up on top of there and there's like a little like zigzag shape where like it comes out a little bit. And that's the part that you're going to jump up on top of. Now, from there, you're going to turn your drone around about 180 degrees and you're going to look at the nearest hanging lantern. And that is now going to be reachable from this position above the door that you're on top of. What you want to do is you want to aim your reticle on the drone centered on the pillar of the lantern so that you're going to collide with that center portion that's smaller and land on the bigger portion of the chandelier. And once you get on that, you can do one more jump up on top of that more uh, smaller cylinder then, and then you're going to be stopped by the hanging chain or rope or whatever that is. Once there, you can now rotate your drone and get the view that you want. 
you should be able to see the entire bank lobby. You should be able to see through all the windows upstairs that look into the front foyer on CEO office. You should be able to see everything that goes up those red spiral curved stairs, the entire balcony over there. You should be able to see back to the elevators on both the second floor and a little bit of the first floor elevator hallway. You should be able to see anybody going into the uh, the presidential um, office in the in the lobby all the way to the outer side there. You should be able to see the teller um, walk-up counter and the entrance to the room behind there, all with one drone. It is insane the volume of traffic that you can see running back and forth in any of those positions. And you can even see when people are running underneath your drone's position to make that spawn run out for the main doors. So this is like the best drone spot. Um, the next one is super basic. It is very, very simple but a lot of people don't know about it and it actually surprises me. Uh, so this is, the next two drone spots are both going to affect the basement spawn, uh, but when you first start out, if you take your drone down the driveway that leads to the parking garage, there is actually a drone vent along the side of the wall there before it angles downward. And if you take your drone in there, it's kind of this weird zigzaggy shape uh, drone uh, vent. And when you get to the end of it, you will be uh, in the ceiling, essentially, overlooking where that first sight would be if you're playing secure area over by the elevators. And your drone is up in that elevated position. You don't even have to bring it any further than that. Just leave it there. If you're worried about it being spotted, you can kind of roll it back. And then when you need to, roll it forward to get the view that you need. But it surprises me how many people don't actually know about this drone vent access. And it's just right along the side of the wall there as you're coming to that driveway that goes down to the parking garage. That's a very basic one. The next one gets a little bit more advanced. So with this one, we're going to go ahead and get a drone into the bank vault. So if you're looking at the bank vault, uh, you've got those countertops there that have like the stacks of money on them, but then you have the walls on the outer perimeter that are all the safety deposit boxes. And we're actually gonna go ahead and get on top of those. The way you're gonna do that is one of those two safety deposit box, um, I guess outcroppings, so they come out a little bit into the room away from the wall there's a ledge and on top of that ledge is like some kind of a black satchel bag. You're gonna take your drone from the floor, jump it on top of that black satchel bag. From there, you can make one more hop on top of the um, safety deposit boxes. So now you're on top of those. Now you can take your drone and roll it into either of the two corners of that room. I like to take it over to the corner that overlooks the main vault door. And from there, you can angle it, you know, 45 degree angle, get all the traffic that is going through that main vault room. People are not expecting a drone to be up high in the ceiling in that position because that's the only way that you can get it up there and people are not expecting that. Those are my three pro tip drone spots on bank. Again, one of them is very, very basic, but it surprises me how many people wind up like seeing that drone spot. And they're like, wait, how did you get up there? And like, are you kidding me? That's super simple. But those are my three spots on bank for putting a drone. They're amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely love them. Um, so let's uh, finish off today with our uh, Q&A. Um, what is that? I think that's I is a douche. <laughs> I Is that a J or an I? That's an I. Is a douche? I, I is a douche? I is okay. a, yeah. Anyways, this is a douche, whatever, this person, uh, clever. Um, I have an idea for a new operator. The operator has a camera that he or she points around the corner to check it for enemies. 
um, objectives, traps, etc. The camera is on a cable connected to a screen that the player looks at, so you don't actually have to peek the corner and risk being spotted easily. Uh, my questions are, would that be overpowered? How would this affect the game? And what could be implemented to counter the gadget? Maybe there's a flashlight? I don't know. Just an idea. What do you think about this? Uh, I think what he's describing is essentially a snake cam. Uh, there's many games yeah. that have used that before, including previous Rainbow Six games. Uh, I like his idea, but I don't think he takes it far enough to be an actual operator centered around it. In order to be an operator centered around it, it can't just be something that you can just peek around a corner with because you're always going to be right on the other side of that corner, leaving you kind of vulnerable. Um, I think what would almost like, like, yes, do that, but also <laughs> um, be able to deploy it in other situations where um, you can snake cam a doorway. So, you know, like you don't necessarily necessarily stand in front of the door where your feet can be seen like you can stand off to the side and then snake it over you know a foot or two um but then you can see underneath the doorway or underneath the castle barricade uh, i think you mm -hmm. could also maybe do it with like drone vents see what's on the other side of a drone vent um you know snake cam it um and then also if you have enough of a hole in a wall and like say you have a soft wall like you melee hit a soft wall make that little melee hit hole and then throw the snake cam through that, thread it through that hole. Now we're talking about something that's robust enough to be an ability. You know, flesh it out a little bit more. Um, and then maybe you can add some some kind of uh, optical ability to it. Uh, so maybe this is something that can be toggled a thermal mode or something like that so that, you know, you can also see sort of what's on the other side. Um I think that that would now we're starting to talk about something that's kitted up a little bit more to an interesting operator concept. Um, before I say anything, uh, what do you think about like what what could counter that? Like besides just like mute? Well, I think first of all, or would even mute be able to counter that? Well, no, it's, it's a camera thing, right? So I, I think mute would be able to counter that. Um, mm -hmm. I think also an operator. Uh, like, like an echo would be a really good, you know, counter to that, hitting them with that. But the biggest counter is that you essentially have an operator that like, cause when you're on a drone, you can be anywhere in the map. You're sitting in that vulnerable position on your camera, but you can be anywhere in the map and your drone can be three flights away from you. But with the snake cam, you know, the thing is maybe two or three feet long at most. So you essentially wherever your snake cam is like you're in close proximity. So it's almost like you have to be vulnerable near to wherever you're using it. And that is almost its own counter. That makes sense. Because like, if I there's, if there's a soft wall, you melee hit the soft wall and then you thread the snake cam through. Okay. Defense sees that. And then they can wall bang the soft wall and have a high probability of hitting you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because you're only ever going to be like, you know, no more than say three feet away from wherever that snake cam is looking. So you're vulnerable right. in the position the gadget is being used almost. I uh, feel like that's enough of its own counter. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I like the idea. I don't feel like, 
how do we word this? I don't feel like this is an operator that would be used in Siege. I feel like this would be um, an ability that would be more beneficial to Ghost Recon Breakpoint or Wildlands or The Division. Like another Tom Clancy game, I just don't necessarily think that that ability itself... um, is enough to make an operator for this game. Okay, let's evolve it. What if this was a device that you could plant onto a wall and it would essentially attach to the wall and burrow through a little little drill thing to the other side and then it would a little cam little little pinhole camera would pop out of it. You mean like the spider drone? Well, yeah, but it's fixed. It can't move. It's like it's like okay, an attacker okay. version attacker version of a deployable camera. I literally I started laughing because I thought you were basically just going to bring Odin into this game. Um, <laughs> but but no, so that I could get on board with. That I could totally get on board with. Um, if if instead of it being like a snake cam, it's a fixed camera that you can stick into like a soft wall or you can, um, you know, somehow mangle it around the corner, uh, like just a random corner or like in a in a door frame or something. Um, and I actually did. Enjoy, I, I did uh, like what you were saying about maybe giving it like some thermal optics. I think that would actually be kind of cool. Um, especially when it came to like, if someone threw smokes or something like that, um, yeah, giving that line of sight, that'd be really awesome. Um, but I, I, in, in, while I think this is actually a really cool concept, I, I, I really do like this. And I remember reading this and being like, actually, that's really cool. I just don't see, the Rainbow Six Siege community getting on board with it. Mm. And that's, I, I guess, when, when, I say, when I said what I said earlier, I was more talking in, like, a, I don't think that, like, I don't think Pro League would be like, oh, this is a really good operator kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And because that's kind of the electoral college of you know the game it like i don't think that they i don't think it would be an operator that they would pick because it would leave them too vulnerable mm. and while i think while i think that's like a really intriguing idea i just don't think that it would be an operator that would get picked in this game a lot so i don't think that it necessarily makes sense for them to create this operator however if we went back to a couple episodes ago when we talked about how there should be a campaign with these operators. I could see them doing that if they did some sort of like, you know, game where it was actually like the operators of Rainbow Six Siege doing like campaign missions. Um, I feel like that would actually be a really, really awesome or just like, you know, even like the old school Rainbow Six games, I think that would be a really cool operator to incorporate in that. I like the idea because um, right now offense has no other intel gathering devices other than drones. Uh, and Odin is going to bring a new kind of drone to finally sort of address that issue, which is cool. But uh, defense has intel gathering cameras all over the place. 
so many different echo drones and maestro turrets and deployable cameras and the static fixed drones and Valkyrie cams. I mean, you know, Mozzie hacking drones that the defenders can see. I mean, defense has, has camera intel for days. Yeah. And attackers only have their camera drones, which always get shot pretty much anyway. Um, so I'm all about bringing a little bit more camera gathering intel utility to offense. And so I, I see what you're saying about like having the operator be stuck on the device and vulnerable would maybe be a little too rejected. But then if you had a device where it's like, okay, you can stick it on a wall and it'll, it'll just penetrate through to the other side of a little pinhole camera. Maybe there's a red light to show its position. Uh, maybe it's got thermal vision, but it's, it's fixed. You, you can't move it around. You don't have to be on it. You can check it, but you don't have to be on it. Um, that could be maybe something that's a little bit more viable, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, interesting idea. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. Okay, well, I think that we have gone uh, into a lot of possible different things for this week's episode. So, uh, you know, just, uh, again, a regular invite, if you want to go ahead and join us over on the Rainbow Six Radio subreddit, please do. You can post your comments over there. Give us feedback on the show. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Ask questions for Captain and I. We'll be happy to interact with you over there. Post some of your gameplay clips. Show off a little bit. Join us in the community that we are trying to build over there, and we will go ahead and catch you next week when we have all kinds of more additional interesting topics to talk about. And just go ahead and give us a like and a follow on this podcast to keep up with everything that's going on. Thanks a lot, guys. This has been Rainbow Six Radio. Be sure to tune in next time for even more Rainbow Six talk, news, and information.